The Guardian. Hello, I'm Matt Wells. Welcome to your bank holiday edition of Media Talk. Coming up, it was the kiss that shocked the world. Well, some of it anyway. We look at the media reaction to that same-sex smooch in Soho. Also in the podcast, Twitter gets ready to splash the cash on TweetDeck, but why? Plus, Alexander Lebedev announces the launch of the Saturday Eye and... Sam, how's that ping-pong ball? Because I've got to show you what I can do with a ping-pong ball. But it's penny you can do with a ping-pong ball, isn't there, Amy? <laughs> you, I sure can, honey. And you? Not just a ping-pong ball. <laughs> <laughs> Harry loves balls. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> the only way is Essex and Big Fat Gypsy Wedding gets set to slug it out for a BAFTA. Olivier would be so proud. Have your stilettos, vajazzles and fake tan at the ready. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Hello, everyone. How nice to see you a bit earlier than usual. Uh, here with me in the pod this week is Steve Ackerman, Managing Director of the Radio and Digital Uber Indie. Something else. How are you, Steve? Very well, thank you, Matt. Good to be back. Thank you. Uh, also here is Josh Halliday, Media Guardian's technology reporter. It says on your Guardian profile, uh, Josh, that uh, you're insufferably enthusiastic about the future of news. Uh, yeah. You've been here nearly a year now. Is that still the case? I'm in the process of updating that uh, biography. It's just grown worthy when I look right. back at that. Excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, just before we go any further, can I just check that neither of you have got any uh, injunctions out on you. Not, so, not, not currently. No. Not yet. No, okay, just checking. Uh, well, that's good news. Uh, okay, we thought we would put phone hacking, the BBC, and the general minutiae of media policy to one side for this week and start instead with one of the other big media stories that got much of the press and even more of the Twitter sphere into a tiz. I am, of course, referring to the incident that took place uh, at the end of last week when a gay couple were kicked out of a pub for kissing in Soho, of all places. The landlord of the John Snow, no relation, took exception to the first date fumbling of Jonathan Williams and James Bull and his reaction to triggered a national debate on public displays of affection, gay and straight. Uh, the media, meanwhile, went wild for the story. But what should we make of that? Uh, I'm delighted to say that we've been joined in the pod by Gaydar Radio's news editor, Scott Roberts. Thanks for being here, Scott. No problem. Um, but the, presumably, this was, this was your lead story on Thursday and Friday. Well, yes, and I know that there's a second protest planned mm. uh, for this week, so we will be covering that again. I think, though, for the media, this wasn't a hard one in terms of LGBT news to cover, because... All you need is about 10 to 15 people for a protest to be a protest. Yes. And I think in the end they had over 800. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't that hard. Why do you think it became such a thing, though? Because it, it, you know, you know, it was on the front page of The Guardian. It was all over the, you know, it was on American websites. It, you know, it, it, what was it about it, do you think, that struck a chord? I think, first of all, it was a PR blunder by the pub in question and the brewery because if they had just apologized and mm. said oh we got it wrong don't worry of course we're not homophobic have a few free drinks yeah. then i don't think there would have been all this traction about a protest and people would have forgotten the story the fact the brewery and the pub in question refused to comment to the media to any of the media not just myself okay. meant that the story had legs they said um well the, the, well our reporter phoned them, phoned them up phoned them up twice and um the, the woman at the end of the phone said that, that they'd do him for harassment if, uh, if, if he phoned again. It, uh, Josh, it was interesting in that it was a, this was a bit of a sort of social media thing, wasn't it? It got mm. picked up on Twitter and, well, it started, I was going to say it started with a kiss, it started with a tweet. Jonathan tweeted, I think, 8 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, and then 48 hours later, there was 800 people outside this Jon Snow pub. I mean, it was just remarkable how it just snowballed and I've no idea why it brought out such a big reaction in the Twitter sphere. Um, it just... I think maybe, Steve, it was just one of those, um, you know, sort of the Twitter's kind of uh, has got a, it's almost like a liberal e echo chamber, isn't it? So it's one of those things that, that the 
Twitterati love and everyone starts talking about it and becomes a Facebook. There's a, yeah. there's a definite Guardian Easter yes. element, I think, to Twitter. But I thought the other really interesting thing about the story was when you listen to Outlets Like Five Live, there was kind of a dual story going on. There was, there was obviously the sort of homophobic angle, but, there were, but quite cleverly, I thought, the uh, gay community widened it out to, to make it a wider issue, which was about affection in public. And which is a really – it's a talking point. Yeah, that's, and that, that's the angle people like Five Live were, were, yeah. were going with. And that obviously then – you know, you then bring in a much wider constituency who are – who are sort of interested in the story so the protest element still happens the point is still made that you know everyone should be treated equally but actually you've got a much wider community of people showing interest in the story so it's a, it's a gay story that makes front page news scott but lots of gay stories don't make, make front page news um, what do you think of the mainstream media's sort of general coverage of gay issues well it's very hit and miss for instance uh, the other day on news night they were talking about the blood ban they had Peter Tatchell on and a professor that was arguing for the current restrictions because gay men... Gay, yeah, because uh, gay men can't give blood. No, they can't. At the moment, there's a review taking place and a lot of people want it so that there could be a deferral so that 12 months if you don't have sex, if you're a gay man, and then you can donate. I know that Australia has that policy in place. But uh, a few weeks ago, the Sunday Times had a big splash, a big exclusive about the blood ban saying, oh, the government's decided that uh, a 10-year deferment is going to be the best option. And in the end... So you're not allowed to have sex for 10 years? Well, that's what the Sunday Times <laughs> I mean, 12 reporting. months, is, I was just thinking 12 months is bad enough. <laughs> but the, uh, the whole, that, that whole story completely fell apart within hours because the, uh, the Sunday Times quoted a spokesman saying, oh, um, it's the Equality Act is going to be the piece of legislation which is going to be the thing that is going to force us to bring in a 10-year deferment. And then you speak to all the HIV charities like the Terence Higgins Trust and the National AIDS Trust and they say, hang on a minute, since when has the Equality Act been used for medical review? Mm. The story completely fell apart. So that was one example. Um, Then back in February, we had civil partnerships being announced uh, for churches Oh, yeah, oh, yes. The, uh, uh, permission being given for ch- churches can hold civil partnerships. That's yes. Right, yeah. So that was widely trailed. Um, but again, that was leaked out over the course of the weekend. So on the actual day, the Equalities Minister, Lynn Featherstone, made the announcement. None of the press, apart from myself and uh, someone from Pink News, uh, were actually there to interview the minister. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Lynn was a bit disappointed at was the fact that because of the leak, um, sometimes a leak is largely accurate, but there could be bits of the story which are not true. And so one of the things that w- was coming out of that leak was the idea that, oh, this could be the moment where the government is going to announce that gay couples can actually marry. And that's not what was announced on the day in yeah. question by the minister. But you had people, tabloids and also a few broadcasters and also a few publications in the LGBT community that already put out the story. This was the week that the gay community will finally get gay marriage. And obviously that wasn't the case. Um, Scott, what about the quality of the gay media itself? Obviously, I'm, you know, obviously Gaydar Radio is fabulous and fantastic. <laughs> and, but, but I mean, I wonder whether I mean, you mentioned Pink News, that's, yeah. you know, that's pretty good but there is not a sort of wide you would have thought that the, the with, with, with the proliferation of uh, and the easy access to, um, uh, to the internet that you might have seen you know a, a larger number of kind of good quality gay, gay journalism online and I'm not sure that that's that's the case it's one of the things that I'm working on right. in my job at um, Gaydar Radio I uh, we are part of Sky News in terms of uh, we've got a contract with them for our news in terms of uh, mm. the national stu- news that isn't gay and one of the things that I've learned is that actually um, broadcasters generally uh, are very interested in what happens in the LGBT community. Um, 
with the kitten story, Sky were looking to interview the couple in question. And um, you can often see the amount of stories which are gay-related or LGBT-related, which Sky are working on in that day. Yeah. One of the things that I'm doing in my job, I've actually got a meeting penciled in with the managing editor of Sky News Radio, Louise Hastings, next month. We're going to hopefully discuss how we can work together on certain things that are coming up. Because I think, generally, there is a real interest in certainly good representation of the LGBT community and I know that politically the LGBT community is still very politically active mm. which is I think one of the reasons why you do get protests like this and there is you know a lot of vociferous activity it's because the LGBT community is quite highly motivated. Okay um, uh, thank you very much I will leave that there. Josh and Steve you're staying on for the rest of the show. Uh, Scott Roberts there's gay needs to be read. Yes I've got to go back to Twickenham. Yeah okay thank you for coming in. No worries it's been a pleasure. On now to our news in brief, and we'll start with our uh, good friends at Associated Newspapers. Mail Online has just become the world's second most popular news website, uh, with almost 40 million unique visitors every month. Uh, extraordinary growth, Josh. 446% audience growth in the past three years, apparently. So in 2007, it really didn't have a website you know, wor- yeah. worthy of the name, and now it's it's a complete domination. And, uh, and they won the UK Press Awards Award for Digital Innovation. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. I'm not sure where that came from. But this is you know, from a press awards that previously gave the Sun, Sun Talk the yes. Digital Innovation Award. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Where, of, where are they now? Pinch of salt, exactly. Yes. Um, but, but Mail Online is showing no signs of slowing down at all. I mean, it's interesting as well that it overtook uh, Huffington Post in the same month that it was bought by AOL. Yes. Um, but it will be interesting to see next month's figures because... Uh, Huffington Post is obviously planning to launch in the UK. And the uh, Mail is planning to launch in America, or indeed has, 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 has already launched in America, really. You know, you know they've got a, a US-facing front page and they've got 15 people in, in New York already um, uh, ch- ch- hiring more staff in New York and LA. Um, if only we had a similar idea. Ha. <laughs> but... Uh, um, uh, it, it it is an, it, it's it's interesting, Steve, in that it's a very it's quite a different proposition online than the paper, and it's relentlessly showbiz led. It is completely compelling. That I don't you know I don't know if you're a you know obviously I I only check it once or twice a day, of course. Um, and uh, but there's that list of stories down the down the right hand side, you know, which, which is you know, and, and I think it's the way they write their trails as well. They don't waste a single word. Um, every trail hooks you in and you think oh must click on that what they do show is they've understood how to get the you know the, the crucial thing about websites is 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 minutes how 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 long can you get someone to stay on the site and can you get them to 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 click through beyond the first page that, that they come through yeah. come to and clearly they've you know they're showing a really strong understanding of that the 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 navigation is really is really strong and the way that they're teasing stories is really strong i think maybe where they're slightly weak and where where many of the newspapers are uh uh, are slightly weak is in the multi-platform approach Mm. you know really good quality video or or audio um the other elements that that will give them additional tools in which they can sell to advertisers and certainly i think when you when you speak to to some of the sales guys behind newspapers it's still a very old-fashioned approach that mm. many of the sales teams don't really understand online yet and obviously that's that's key to all of this you can get as many numbers as you want but you've got to be able to monetize it to sell it yeah yeah interesting okay um let's stick with online and another british success story uh, twitter is believed to be on the verge of buying TweetDeck for 50 million dollars just what what is tweet deck and why does biz stone want to buy it tweet deck is the second 
second most popular way for people to tweet um, around the world. To use Twitter, in effect. It, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's used by, it, I mean, it, it accounts for t- 10% of all tweets. It's second most popular to Twitter.com, Twitter's own website. Um, it's for power users. It's like a column interface. It's grown relentlessly. I mean, it's f- founded by Ian Dodsworth, the British. Uh, it's a British founder. Um, Fifty million in cash. It's interesting that Twitter's got this money in the bank. Yeah, yeah, it is because Twitter doesn't make make any money itself. Why do they want to buy TweetDeck though? Twitter has been. Uh, it's on a relentless divide and conquer. Um, crusade through all third-party platforms, essentially trying to close competitive services down and buy the best ones. Well, that's so interesting, but, but, but the reason that, that, that there are these third-party um, applications for Twitter is because they've got an open API and they allow it. So they allow other people. Ah, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm talking myself into the answer. They, so they allow other people to do the development work to build good things which they then buy. Is, it, uh, um, is, is that it, Steve? Well, it's definitely a better tool. I mean, I, I, I mean it is a far superior way of using... Uh, Twitter and yes. reading tweets than than Twitter Twitter's own website and they did that earlier didn't they wasn't it with was it with Tweety or Tweety yeah, yeah right. that they also bought uh, mm. probably w- which was the application I had on my phone and then suddenly one day it was the Twitter logo and I thought what's happened here and it, and, it, and and they and they bought it Twitter is still able you know they're exploring at the moment this this idea of monetizing some of the tweets and that there's sort of you know sponsored tweets if you like mm. that people are paying for those would still show up within. Um, tweet deck so i don't actually understand it's not a monetization thing is it a database thing in terms of being able to get hold of the user information Mm. of people who are signing up through tweet deck but then surely they've got already got the user information because you have to join twitter you know you you can't tweet without joining twitter before you then use tweet deck as your tool they just want a greater user base perhaps that's right and in many ways often it's about buying the people behind these tools ian dodsworth is just a superb you know innovator technologist um tweet deck has been it's, it's in the middle of a, a bidding war between Uber Media, this mm. third-party firm that's apparently bid $30 million for um, TweetDeck. So it's highly prized. Mm. Okay. Um, so uh, let's, let's stick with tech and do a quick bit on Spotify. Are you a Spotifyer, Steve? I, I am, but I'm a free Spotifyer. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? They've changed their terms, and, uh, terms of use, and they're halving free listening time from 20 hours a month to 10 hours a month. Will this affect you? Uh, actually, probably not the way I use it, but it, it, it was going to happen at some point or another, mm. wasn't it? Um, I mean, it's a fantastic service. Um, you know, it really is. Ge- yeah, and it always had that too good to be true element about it. And the ads have, have built up from, you know, 18 months, two years ago, where you could literally listen all the time and, and, and never hear an advert. Um, and I think actually people don't give them credit for the amount of people they have converted to the premium model who are actually paying, uh, what, it, what is it, 10 quid a month or something? Mm. Um, you know, they, yeah, so, so they've got a lot of people who are, who are doing that. Um, I think this is, this is sensible. I mean, I mean, it's just following the usual internet model, isn't it? The, the, the freemium model. Let people have a little taster, but don't quite give them the full, the full product yes. that they can enjoy. And that's, that's all they're doing here. I think it's sensible. Okay. Uh, a, a brief word on Fleet Street. Uh, Michael Gray is joining the PCC. Uh, obviously, let's hope he's, he's as much a success there as he was at High TV. And uh, Alexander Lebedev is going to give us a Saturday edition of The Eye. Uh, it will go on sale. Well, it'll cost 30, 30p, which I think is a bit more or Josh, isn't it, than, than the weekday sale, or which is 20p. 20 pence, that's yeah. right. Um, and uh, it'll go on sale after the bank holiday season on May the 7th. Is it a, I mean, the, the, the eye is quite a success story, isn't it, Josh? So maybe it's not surprising that they 
doing a Saturday. Yeah, well. sure. Something like 170,000 sales a month, um, which is superb. Because a day? A day. A day, sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, it's a big mindset change for consumers, you know, fishing 20p out of the pocket rather than picking up a Metro, which is just ubiquitous yeah. in the morning. Are you a fan? I'm a big fan. I, I bought it religiously for the first month and then down- stop buying it and th- so you're not fact, big enough a fan i downloaded the ipad app and did the oh, free right. trial but it's horrific it's really? absolutely atrocious oh, um uh, do you do you uh, do you do the eye i have not eyed no. at all um can i can i mention the pcc though Go on, you can all right mention the pcc then uh, yes. well obviously the interesting thing about about the pcc is as a non-newspaper person obviously it's the only part of the media industry that that isn't you know doesn't have a regulator around it and obviously we, you know we know all the issues around around the hacking story mm. and the phrase that keeps coming up is uh, the PCC hasn't covered itself in glory. This yes. is this is the phrase you keep hearing from sort of politicians who are trying to be dip- diplomatic. But you know, being blunt about it, it's been a farce, hasn't it? Yeah. And if you bring if you bring new people into the PCC, that body has to start showing a little bit of teeth to claw back any sense of credibility because it doesn't have any at the moment we at all. We were going to talk about fur hacking, but then you brought it up. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I know you didn't. No, 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 no I didn't. By by implication, Just what? don't say that the PCC is not up to the job because they don't like people saying that. No, they, not? they do no. not. No, we said it and we got told. Oh, really? Okay, well, we'll not say that they're not up to the job. They maybe not have. They maybe not quite have covered themselves in glory, but they are definitely up to the job. I'm in trouble now, aren't I? Maybe not. That's <laughs> fine. Um, okay. Um, uh, thank you very much for uh, for uh, that bit. Uh, more on all of these stories over at uh, mediaguardian.co.uk Now guardian.co.uk's TV editor Vicky Frost has joined us for the final part of the show How are you, how are you Vicky? You were, uh, you, you've, been, you've been invited to launch The Apprentice uh, haven't you? So no wonder you look so pleased Well I am so pleased, yeah. I love it It's my favourite thing of when, the year When is the launch? Uh, 3rd of May uh, we, you know, we've got to be careful because we got into trouble last week for spoilering Doctor Who. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. Well, this, this business of, well, I'm not sure if we should say it, but I am going to say it because it's been everywhere. There's a, there's a death in Doctor Who, and we mentioned it. Stephen Moffat has been saying there's a death in Doctor Who. I mean, if anyone's spoilering it, it's Stephen Moffat. I know, but they said that we should have recognised that it's a, it's a spoiler and not mentioned it anyway. People are very sensitive about spoilers, I think. Especially I, I, about Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, crazy about Doctor Who spoilers. Okay, um, let's get a few news stories uh, out of the way before we talk about what, what uh, uh-huh. you're watching, what we should be watching. Sad news about uh, Elizabeth Sladen. Oh, really sad news. Talk, talking about Doctor Who, because she was the actress who played uh, uh, Sarah Jane back in the 70s. And then again, when the show was mm. re- rebooted in 2006, and, and so, with an episode that was so popular, she got her own series. Well, and actually the saddest thing is if you sort of go and have a look on the Newsround site, there's all these children who have only known her through the Sarah Jane adventures, who have just given all these really lovely tributes to mm. her. It's terribly sad. It will make you cry at your desk. Don't look at it while you're at work. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can actually con- con- confirm that, Matt, because I, and it shows how you know shows can really touch kids' lives. Because the first thing my seven-year-old daughter said to me this morning was, and she was genuinely upset, Sarah yeah. Jane has died, Daddy. And oh. she, she was very upset. So... Yeah. It's absolutely true. I think I think we we maybe underestimate that fantastic shows like that really do you know reach out to kids and and sort of sort of touch them in a powerful and, way. And I think she was a very sort of straightforward kind of actress, wasn't she? It was, she yeah. was very sort of real and honest, and 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 and, and her character was totally believable. Well, yeah, and also her, her character was very independent. She was a woman who was, you know, this was sort of the companion rather than the assistant, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So she kind of meant a lot to lots of different fans, I think, over lots of different eras. OK, well, as we reported last week, Simon Cowell is uh, not going to be a judge on X Factor. More interestingly, though, another one of ITV's big brands is, uh, believe it or not, up for a BAFTA. The only way is Essex. Uh, is up for one with um, Channel 4's Big Fat Gypsy Weddings as well as Miranda Downton Abbey, uh, Sherlock and the Killing in the Audience Award. 
Yes, I must say I sit on I sat on this panel right. that sort of got to the shortlist. Oh yes, because there's, there, 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 there's, I've sat on this panel in the past. I don't get invited anymore, obviously, to these sorts of things because I'm not nearly so important. But um, uh, but it's the, 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 it's the it's a panel of journalists, and you have to come up with. I think it's a shortlist. Was it? It was ten when I did it. Was it six? Right, six. shortlist of six. And um, this is put. This is the audience award, which is put to, put to the audience of work. How did you? How, how did you? Who is responsible for getting the only way is Essex into? Is this your doing? No, it's not my doing. <laughs> but I, I sort of feel it's not anyone's doing particularly, yeah. in that we did all kind of... Was it Neil Midgley? It wasn't Neil Midgley. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Who is sitting next to me? No. Um, it, you know, I think it's that thing of... It, it, the only way it's Essex is a phenomenon. Mm. Um, whether you think that's a media phenomen- phenomenon or you think that's a televisual phenom- phenomenon might be two different things. But it is, and, and it needs to be represented, and... The whole point is there's six things. They're quite wide across the spectrum. There's some quality in there. There's some stuff that's incredibly popular. Um, interestingly, there's no cowl in there this year. Oh, yes. No, you're yeah, right. Which just, is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got these, you've got quite a wide range for people to vote on. Uh, I expect, Josh, as, as a northern lad, you will, you're, 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 this all passes you by. It does, yeah. Why is Essex? <laughs> but Steve, this is very much up your street, I would imagine. Well, I am an Essex boy, yes, actually. Yes, I but, thought you probably were. This is my guilty pleasure. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely addicted to this show, and it is, it's just so bizarre. But, it, but obviously the really fascinating thing about it has been the online aspect. It does more viewing online, yes. doesn't it, on, I think it does the on same. viewing again as, as on the live broadcast? It, it does the same online as it does on broadcast, which is very interesting. Um, although that's also true of quite a load of Channel 4 programmes. I think they've just brought out some research as well, which is really interesting in terms of sort of demographic and age and how people are watching telly. Who's, f- who's your favourite character, Steve? Oh, do you know what? You, I mean, I mean <laughs> it's just the girls I can't, I, I, I can't get over because, oh, well, it's, it is just literally another world. It yeah. is an absolute another world. It's almost like, it's almost like there's a sort of Essex genre of television now, isn't there? You could, you could, mm. There's all sorts of programmes. Yeah, because the Hunks is coming, the hunks isn't is coming. it? Is that an Essex thing? Now, Deal. what is the Hunks? Because I, I, I've, I've obviously watched all of these promotional videos that... Digital spies I'm sure you and um, producer Ben has uh, helpfully provide, furnished me even with a line about the hunks. Uh, actually, here it is: uh, it's ten beefy men move into a fancy new key apartment for a summer of sun, sea, and spray tanning. What's not to like? Tanning, Don't possibly comment. Yeah. Maybe the spray tanning. Uh, okay, uh, picks for the Easter Bank Holiday. Well, you have to avoid all the royal wedding Build programs. Up. That I mean, I actually just went through Radio Times and had a look at how much there was. And I am astonished by the number. I mean, there's this terrible sort of daytime documentary thing with uh, Leslie Garrett and, and, and Larry Lamb where they sort of, in the run-up, in the week what? to the... That's <laughs> dreadful. I know. So there's various things along those lines, uh, which I will be avoiding hmm. very much. Uh, what is there to watch over Easter weekend? There is uh, Doctor Who, obviously, when does on that start? Saturday. That's a series. It's not just a special. It's his first no, series, it's the first it? right? series. Yes. It's kicking off on Easter Saturday. Um... And then uh, on Easter Monday, Darren Brown is back on Channel 4 with a show that looks markedly better. Can't you? I can't stand Darren Brown. Oh. So just, it drives me, he's so slimy. Oh, I don't think that's fair, I think he's a brilliant showman. Do you think? Brilliant. God. Josh? 
Superb. Where, where Absolutely superb. What is it? I don't, I don't know. He's sort of smart. What is this one? What's he doing this time? Oh, gosh, you know, don't sound too excited. <laughs> uh, he is taking on faith healers. Oh, right. Uh, it's quite... So, basically, they get this guy who... Uh, just a member of the public, and they kind of train him up to be able to do all these sort of faith healing, you know, how to make the blind see and the deaf hear, etc. And um, And then they send him to America to pose as a pastor... Pastor James, basically. Oh. Um, and it, it is quite interesting. It's much better than that, the hero at 30,000 feet, which I thought was a load of old tosh. I just thought it was rubbish. Uh, so it's much better than that. Darren Brown is very passionate about it all. Um, it, it's slightly controversial, I think, to schedule it on Easter Monday. Yes. Uh, you know, Brown sort of says this is definitely not an attack on Christians, right. just on faith healers who he thinks are charlatans. Um, but it's still fairly controversial, mm. I think, to put it on an Easter Monday. Anything else? Uh, the suspicions of Mr. Witcher. If I said that right? Yeah, the suspicions of Mr. Witcher, which is based on the Kate Summerscale novel. Uh, that's ITV1, Easter Monday, more decent quality drama. From ITV1? From ITV1. If it's like the book, it's a very good story. Uh, OK, on that note, we'll bring things uh, to a close. There's no podcast next week, as we'll be all too busy throwing our street parties and waving our union flags. Um, we, I mean, we've mentioned the Royal Wedding, but uh, let's have a quick word about the coverage of it itself. There'll be around 8,000 TV and radio reporters in London, 140 broadcast trucks from all around the world. There's uh, a worldwide audience of 2 billion. Well, this is what they say. This is another one of these bollocks figures. There will not be 2 billion people watching. It'll, I imagine that that's gone, got from the potential audience. If everybody in, it, in all the countries that are broadcasting watch, watch it, it'll be 2 billion. And this is the display. Palace Press Office putting this out, is it? This is yeah. Piers, Piers Morgan. Morgan uh, judges his audience figures yes. on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll be live streaming on YouTube. It's all it's the the, um, the the palace are doing live blogs and live. They've taken they've they have literally nicked all our ideas and and they're, they're doing it on on the palace website. It's amazing. Um, which channel will you be watching, uh, uh, Vicky? Will you will you be with Julie Etchingham and Phil Schofield on ITV One, mm-hmm. uh, Piers Morgan on CNN, no, uh, or Hugh Edwards on the BBC? Uh, and, can uh, I so, not have so, Kate Burley? So, she you could be, yes, it's Kate, this is going to be, it is going to be, <coughs> Sky, <laughs> I'm overcome with excitement. What will Kate Burley be wearing? I don't know, but I hope it's that Tangerine Mac I've seen her in before, because it's quite stunning. And, or there'll be a hat, I think. Oh, I hope so. I, if I, I might have to come to the office on uh, that day, so I might wear a very large hat to the office. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in that day too. Perhaps I'll, should we wear hats? <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which channel will you be with? My television Steve. will be firmly off. Perhaps you'll be listening to the radio. Um, definitely not. Will you be out? Uh, At a street I, party? No, I, I will be out, but I won't be. I, I, do you know what? I've just got no interest at all. I mean, I really haven't. I don't mind people who are who are into it and you know have a nice time, but I just don't see why I'd want to be well, I interested. Thought, I thought Essex is full of you know, oh. royal. Well, I live in Harringay. I live in Harringay, and there's been one application for a street party, and it's my mate who's who's applied who's applied <laughs> for his street to uh, to uh, close. But uh, you know, I, I don't quite understand why I'd want to be interested in a rich person's wedding that I'm paying for. Uh, what do you think, Josh? We're, we're Controversial. Yes. I, I, I agree. My telly will be firmly fixed to Channel Four, which is showing. What big- are they doing? 
doing? Big fat royal gypsy wedding. Oh, <laughs> That's a very good idea. Personally, of course, I've been watching Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer on ABC. Um, Marvellous. And I think I speak for all of us uh, here and at home in wishing Will's Kate and the entire Middleton and Windsor clans a hearty muzzle top on their big day. Muzzle top. Excellent. It's just like, it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, okay, thank you very much. Steve Ackerman, Josh Holliday, and Vicky Frost. Thank you very much for all coming in. Uh, Guardian.co.uk slash media talk is the place to leave your feedback on everything we've been discussing. Uh, media talk is produced by Ben Green and Matt Wells. See you for more media talk soon. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.